But anyways, it's uh, really, it's great to be with all of you. I don't know if I did introduce myself or not for um, any visitors here uh, who, are, who are here for the first time. Do we have any visitors here for the first time? Anybody visiting for the first time? Raise your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. It's, it's a family meeting then right now. It's great. It's wonderful. Um, my name is Ben, by the way, and uh, Katie and I, were interims here, and we're excited to be with all of you. We're excited to see what God is doing in our midst, and um, it's good to be back with all of you. Last week, I wasn't here. I was uh, back in Brighton, and John Lux was up here and uh, speaking, and he did a wonderful job, um, really challenging all of us. Uh, in terms of what it means to honor collaboration. So I was really grateful that John and Lila and their kids were able to come up and be with all of you. And it really was a privilege to be down in Brighton, to be with a sister church and just see what God is doing in that church as well. And um, at one point, uh, a couple came up to me at the end of the service and um, we had been talking about, you know, relationship and things like that. And, and that's a term that's thrown around all the time. But... Um, it was the first time Brighton was back in their facility uh, for like two and a half years. And I, so it was a celebration. And you know that um, actually uh, we, Antioch Beverly, was launched out of Brighton. And so I really wanted to honor them for their not just professing the name of Jesus, but actually living out the missional call of planting churches. And so as I was saying, this couple came up to me at the end of the service, and they introduced themselves, and they said, we're refugees from Russia, and they had just come over, and they drive, they live in Rhode Island right now, and they drive an hour up because Brighton, I think, is the closest church to them. Um, but the thing that was interesting was they said that we were a part of the very first plant, a church plant in Mongolia decades ago. And they were saying that this is all, you talk about legacy and you talk about what Jesus is doing and they said we are a part of this because of what Jesus has been doing in his church. And that was just so encouraging to know that we're not at it alone. We're doing this together. And guess who's walking al alongside us all the time? Jesus. Jesus. So today, we're going to continue our series um, about our relational values, and, um, and we're going to be talking about authentic relationships today. And um, if you were to go to our website, and, and you were to, to kind of browse around, and you'd see the section of like who we are and what we believe, and, and you'd be able to see those six relational values. And of course, one of them says authentic relationships. And below that, there's a little tag uh, kind of line of sort of elaborating on what that means. And I just want to read what it says to you. It says, Jesus's relationships were marked by honesty, vulnerability, and accountability. We aspire to be genuine and gracious with those both inside the church and outside the church. In doing so, we demonstrate our unwavering commitment to one another. Isn't that good? If we were to, to sum that text up, really in a word, it might be authenticity. But 
I've got to say, authenticity feels like a loaded term these days. Everybody is being real. Everybody is authentic, right? And um, our, fur, our world is filled with both real and pseudo-attempts at authenticity, which reminded me of my wife. And don't worry, she's authentic, but she has this app on her phone, and it's called Be Real. Anybody heard about that before, Be Real? I haven't heard about it, but um, the, the, the idea is basically, it's really simple. You have two minutes, and you get a little message on your phone that it's time to be real. And so you have to take a picture of whatever you're doing, um, both one that projects out and then a selfie of what you're doing. And, um, and, then you ha- and then it automatically gets posted. And if you don't post it within those two minutes, it's kind of like a negative social credit, like you're not being authentic or you're not being real because you didn't post in time. And, um, and so there it is. There's, there's Katie being real right there. Um, and I, in the spirit of full disclosure, when I was asking her, hey, can you send me one of those pictures of you being real and stuff like that? She sent me, and she qualified this. She said, I'm sending you the last one that I did. I did not cherry pick my favorite one. So she was being really authentic there. But when you think about that, the premise is interesting because what the app is trying to do is it's kind of pushing back against the inauthentic nature of social media and the curated presentation of ourselves and our lives that has become pervasive in society. It's everywhere. But what is interesting is that even the supposed pushback of that app can, ironically, also become a way for us to curate the presentation of ourselves. Don't worry, this sermon is not about me railing against social media, although it might seem like it right now. It's really not, people. I like the way um, author John Bloom comments on the need for authenticity in the church. He says, in our increasingly post-Christian culture, where confusion about what it means to be real abounds, and where distrust of organized religion has reached an all-time high, the church needs to get real. We must clarify for ourselves and for a watching world what it means to live a life of authentic faith. It's true for some people, they would say that the church has a credibility problem. And they would say that, whether it's through their lens of organized religion or their own personal experience, they might say, they seem hypocritical, or I'm not quite sure that those people are really being authentic. And I think what John Bloom is getting at, and and what the gospel is getting at, is that authenticity begins with a life lived with him with Jesus, in relationship with him. And out of the abundance of that relationship, we begin to live authentically life with one another. So my question for us to ponder today, 
what does it mean to live a life that is defined by authentic relationships? I'm going to try to use a synonym for authentic because I feel like I'm going to say it a lot. Um, But what does it mean to live a life that is defined by authentic relationship, by real relationship, by deep relationship? You know, if we look at the examples that are in the Bible, then we're going to get plenty of insight into what that looks like for a life and relationship with Jesus and one another. And so if you have your Bibles Um, or if you have it on your phone, I invite you to turn with me. We're going to turn to Colossians 3, looking at verses 12 through 15, and um, we have it up on the screen here as well. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version, and, um, and let's go ahead and read Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. This is Paul writing a letter to the Colossian church, Paul and Timothy, okay? Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all else, Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Oh yeah, and don't forget, be thankful. So what do we do and make of this passage, and how does it relate to our lives and our relationships? Actually, We should back up one verse here to 11 uh, for a little bit more context. And it says, I'll just read it. It's not up on the screen. It says, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And so what does it mean to live a life that is defined by authentic relationship? I've got three simple points for us to take note of. Firstly, Jesus sets the standard for our relationships. He is the standard. If Christ is all and is in all, then Christians should reflect his image in our relationships. The Bible says, put on then or clothe yourselves. And Paul exhorts us with the virtues that Christ manifested, meaning we're to show compassion. We're to show kindness. We're to show humility, meekness, and patience. If we look at verse 12, Paul is calling on the Colossians, and by extension, I think we could apply it to ourselves as well, to put on the virtues of Christ to exercise these virtues in our relationship. And when you look at the life of Christ, that's what he's constantly doing. Whether it's his inner circle, his disciples, he's showing all of those virtues. Or externally, beyond the scope of his disciples, the woman at the well, he's showing compassion. He's showing kindness. 
He is consistently exercising those gifts. And so Paul is exhorting us all to do the same thing. Jesus is the standard for our relationships. We take our cues from him. Amen? Amen. Number two. I should read the question again. What does it mean to live a life that is defined by authentic relationship? We're to walk together and forgive one another. That's a hard one sometimes because we're fallen, we're sinful, and sometimes it's hard to walk through those things. Verse 13 says, bearing with one another. I looked this up, and the word for bear in the original Greek means to endure something unpleasant or difficult. Bearing with one another implies willingness to endure with other believers despite our differences and frustrations, maybe our personalities. The Bible calls us to endure, to bear with one another. Isolation is deadly. Living life in isolation is deadly. Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church, said, it's only as we become open about our lives that we experience authentic fellowship. Just in case you don't trust Rick Warren, the Bible says, 1 John 1, verses 7 and 8, he says this, If we live in the light, as God is in the light, we can share fellowship with each other. If we say we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves. The world thinks intimacy happens in the dark. But God says it happens where? In the light. We tend to use darkness or isolation to mask or to hide our hurts. It's hard to open up about those things, isn't it? It's risky. It can be messy to do that. Sometimes we use that isolation to hide our faults, our fears our failures, and our flaws. I know I've done that. But in the light, we bring them all out into the open and admit who we really are. Now, just before we, uh, you know, I don't want us to jump to conclusions. Context is really important here, okay? We don't go around as... Christians and every person we introduce ourselves to, we then unload on them all of our problems and things like that, right? That's, that's not what we've been called to do. However, there is a place where we should have people in our lives where we can share the hard stuff. Doing that in discipleship groups, within 
certain contacts within life group and things like that. Having somebody that you can go to and that you can share life with is absolutely, it's imperative. And yet, our society wants us to keep people at arm's length. Or we do it to ourselves. I'm not gonna let them in. It's too hard. Or I wanna project that, hey, I've got life all put together. And we as Christians have done that. And that's caused problems. I've seen it in my own life with my own family where my parents were in ministry for a long time. And it's, it's enticing to project to everybody that, hey, everything's great. We gotta figure it out. We're the model Christians. And yet nothing could be further from the truth, right? Jesus wants us to share what's going on in our lives with people. He wants us to go deep with people. For years, I've met with John Neal. John is a brother. And John knows my stuff. And I know some of his. But it's out of an atmosphere of brotherly love, connection, and intimacy that ultimately has led us to be able to share life with each other. From the superficial to, hey, how was your week, man? Down to the, the hard stuff of life. And that is something that I value and I treasure, I look forward to, because I know that it is authentic. It's real. Please hear me when I say that there is not an expectation, and it would be misguided for us to think that every relationship we have is one that is of deep authenticity. There are circles of relationship, right? Okay, We can't do that with everyone. There's just not enough time. At least when I'm talking about my stuff. Okay, But you have to have somebody. You've got to have that connection. We can't do this alone in isolation. And that is the temptation, though, is to do that. Verse 13, again, says, If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. We can't walk an offense as individuals or as a community. Harboring resentment like sin brings death to relationships. We have to exercise forgiveness, and it's got to be modeled after the one who performed the greatest act of forgiveness in the history of humanity. We have to model what Jesus did, and forgive those who we're in relationship with. It's a mark of authenticity when we can do that. 
By the way, I'm not saying that this is easy. It's not. It's hard. When you're dealing with family, when you're dealing with people who are close to you, when you're dealing with coworkers, even in the context of the church, that's hard. But if we don't do that, then who are we kidding? As a church, as the Big C Church, we have to be able to do that. We have to be able to model that so that the world can see that as well. Are you with me? I spent a long time on number two. Last point right here. You ready? I should have had Brian O'Caw come up here. He could, just, he could just quote the entire passage. I love that you did that this morning. It was powerful. What is this all covered in? We have to love one another. It's all about loving one another. What does the verse say? And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We have to love one another. What does that look like? I'm sure you have some ideas. We're so busy in life, sometimes it's hard to spend time. Time is one of the greatest assets that we have. And taking time to spend it with one another is an important way that you can communicate meaning and love and commitment to one another. It's hard to do it, isn't it? Because we have so much going on, but taking time is one of those ways. Serving one another, not out of obligation, but out of love, is a way that we can communicate authenticity. I might have told the story before, but um, when I came back from South Africa, uh, it was like, I high-fived Katie, and then she was out the door with Chloe to go on a trip. And uh, her, um, Katie and Chloe were going to Missouri, and, um, and so I was, I was home with the boys. Yeah, buddy. And, um, and so I decided to, um, to go on a run, and uh, on the way back, I started really, like, I was feeling it. And yes, I'm out of shape, but I was feeling it in a different way. And, um, and ultimately, long story short, um, I started throwing up and things like that. I wasn't feeling great. And, um, and then I tried to call my primary care, and I, it was a Saturday. And so I was like on the phone for like an, literally an hour and a half and waiting. And finally, I was in so much pain, I called my buddy Brian, Brian Carlson, who I know loves me. And he was in the middle of painting. And I called him up and I was like, Brian, I am not feeling good right now. Can you just come over and like watch the boys so I can drive myself to the doctor? And he's like, yeah. And as he comes over, he's got pain all over his like face. He's still in his like painting gear and stuff like that. And, um, and by that time I was in so much pain that, um, I was like, I can't drive. Can you please drive me to, 
to the hospital, and he drove me to the emergency room to, to Beverly. And, um, and he was praying for me the whole time because he cares. The whole time he was praying for me. And what a testament to my boys who's sitting in the back with Sam Carlson as he is just praying. Do you remember that? Yeah. They took me to, uh, to the emergency room. And of course, part of me in my flesh, I'm like, you know, I'm going there. Are they going to say that I've got a cold and it's going to be really embarrassing, you know? And, uh, and so I, I took that risk and, um, and they took me in and, um, and my appendix was about to rupture. And they said, we're, gonna, we're, we're taking you into surgery right now. And they operated on me and removed my appendix. And I'm very grateful for that because that isn't always the case. And it's actually a very dangerous situation if your appendix ruptures. Very dangerous. And, um, and it was out of love that Brian did that and cared. It doesn't always have to look like that. Okay? But showing that we love one another is a way to demonstrate authenticity, deep abiding relationship. So what's the challenge? What's, what's the application here? How do we respond? Well, authentic relationships are risky, aren't they? We take a risk when we invite people into our lives and our homes to see the unfiltered, non-curated versions of ourselves. I'm a big fan of not cleaning the house when people come over. Fortunately, I still do it because my wife tells me to. We sometimes don't want to do that because it's messy when we invite people in. I'm not just talking about coming over to your house. I'm talking about inviting people into your life and sharing real, deep authenticity and not just the surface. This is why it's easier to keep people at arm's length. This is why it's easier to not commit to a local church and to attend whenever and wherever because we can keep at the surface. We don't have to go deep, but that's what Jesus is calling us into. You know, walls serve two purposes, right? Protection, and they also conceal. And I think Jesus is asking us to break down the walls, to engage in relationship. Being authentic requires courage and it requires humility. We have to humble ourselves. It means facing our fear of exposure. I have that fear sometimes. Rejection. I don't want to be rejected. It hurts when people reject you. It hurts when you reach out. I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. That hurts. 
Why would we want to take such a risk? James 5, verse 16, the message version says this, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed so we can live authentically with one another. This isn't just about relationship with each other. This is about relationship with our heavenly father as well. So I wanna invite the band to come on, the the worship team to come on up. And um, there's a couple of opportunities here for response. There's an opportunity for confession and repentance. Some of you I know and some of you I don't know very well. But one of the questions I would ask is, have you been keeping Jesus at arm's length or people in your lives at arm's length? Maybe this is an opportunity to reflect on that. Maybe it's an opportunity to confess that or maybe even repent. That's between you and the Lord. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to ask the question, do I have people in my life that I can go deep with? That I can be authentic with? This is an opportunity to be intentional. And I'm not saying it has to be, I mean, it's good to do it in in community, in the church. It can be somebody from back home. It can be somebody that doesn't go to this church. But the point is, is that you have somebody that you can go deep with, that you can be real with, that you can share the pain that we inevitably are gonna experience in this life. Do you have people in your life that you can do that with? And if you don't, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to help you. I'm not saying that that's me, that I'm the person. It's not like that. It might be, but I would love to help you with that. Last point, how can we as a church live authentically in our community and with one another? I would ask the Lord with all of these questions, What does he want to say to you about that? How does he want to respond to you with that? You you can respond by maybe this is just a quiet conversation with the Lord. Maybe this is you journaling in your journal. Maybe this is you coming up to the front for confession. Maybe this is you coming to the sides and, and praying with somebody else who would like to pray with you but I invite you to not let this moment go by. We're not here to play church. We're here to encounter the living God. It's through him that there is transformation through the revelation of what he did for us at the cross. And our call is to do that with Jesus and in relationship with each other.